0: The podcast. This is Josh Butler, one of the pastors here at Redemption. I'm joined by Tyler Johnson, the lead pastor of Redemption Church. Uh, welcome, Tyler.
1: Hey, man. Good great to be here.
0: Great to have you with us, man. Uh, we are in a series on Exodus, where every week we're walking through the Book of Exodus, the story of salvation, both for Israel and really in the Bible and for the people of God as a whole. And as we're walking through Exodus, we're using this podcast every week to kind of take a take a take a little time to look at the passage that we've been in and go a little deeper on some of the uh, other rabbit trails or areas that that we see um, in the passage, a little deeper than we can just on Sunday. And so this week we have been in Exodus 3 to 4, where Moses has the encounter with God at the burning bush. And we wanted to take some time this week to explore themes like uh, character and calling and leadership. This is a scene where uh, Moses is called by God into uh, this call that God has for him, this mission to be an agent of deliverance for God's people, and we thought it'd be great to have you on, Tyler. Just, uh, I know many of us just have really respected your kind of wisdom when it comes to themes like leadership and character and calling, things like that, over the years. And so, we're excited to kind of pick your brain on some some of these topics today. And I thought I'd open by just kind of observation in Moses' story. We see, I gotta imagine, if I'm Moses as we're going into chapter three, he's got to feel like these have been kind of wasted years in his life. We, we left in chapter two, where he kind of kills the Egyptian and he uh, has a death warrant on his life. So he heads out to the wilderness. And now as Exodus three opens, it's been decades and he's been herding sheep out in the wilderness. He got married, kind of settled down. And if I'm Moses, I got to be thinking, man, I was in Pharaoh's palace. I had this opportunity to be an advocate for my people to potentially deliver. I I imagine there's probably the sense that God had on him to be an agent of deliverance in some way or shape or form for his people. I wonder if that's even what drove him to kill the Egyptian when he saw the oppression happening. And there's gotta be a sense of, man, I wasted it. And now uh, I'm out here on the periphery, on the sidelines, he's kind of wasted wilderness years. And it looks like I kind of botched my calling and I'm just kind of getting by. I don't know. That's my own imagination running. You know, I, who knows what he was thinking? But that, that, that's that's my sense. Um, and yet, the power and irony that in God's eyes, those are not wasted years. Like God is actually forming Moses in the wilderness, preparing him to lead Israel like sheep in the wilderness for forty years, and ultimately to bring them to Mount Sinai, the same mountain where he has this burning bush experience. He's going to bring the people of God like sheep in the wilderness to the burning mountain, Mount Sinai aflame with the presence and glory of God. And so Moses is almost anticipating and being prepared for here what he's about to lead his people through in the story to come. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you could speak to just kind of this theme. It seems like a common theme in Scripture and our lives, how God often takes what we would consider like the wasted years, the wilderness years, or those times in our life that in the moment they look like we're on the periphery, on the sidelines. Um, But those are actually times that God is often forming us and preparing us to be agents of his kingdom and the work that he has for us to do in the world. And even like we're often drawn for the spotlight today. How can we kind of be at the center of attention, that kind of thing. And yet the deep formation seems like it often occurs in these quiet places, these unseen places where God is doing this slow and patient work forming Moses. So could you kind of speak to how how have you seen, how does God use our quote unquote wilderness years to actually shape and prepare and form us for what he has for us?
1: Yeah, I think it's just as you were saying that, I think immediately of a lot of times what feels wasted or like wilderness, one of the first things it can do is begin to allow us to evaluate our questions. So I immediately go, if I feel like it's wasted, what would be meaningful? how do you define wasted? What are wasted years ultimately? And I think when we begin to answer those questions, like if I don't do this, then it's wasted, can really make us even more reflective. So a lot of times I believe God presses us into the wilderness and may allow us to feel a sense of worthlessness and waste to redefine our questions and to tell us you're asking the wrong question, therefore coming up with the wrong answers. And so. That's one thing. The other thing I think that's really significant is for us to evaluate how much of what we would call meaningful is based upon us getting the affirmation of other people, based upon the work that we do. And so it's not unclear in the Bible that we're made to be benefactors and live our lives on behalf of other people. But a lot of times we equate those things directly with their verbal affirmation. If we aren't in environments where we're being patted on the back and verbally affirmed, which I want everybody that's listening to this podcast to understand, I think that's very important. I think words of affirmation matter. But many times we can make it the ultimate thing. And one of the greatest gifts about the preparation of the wilderness that makes us feel like the years are wasted is to rightfully define what's meaningful. The next thing I think I think about in this is just a. Uh, God is always giving birth to things in our lives. And so there's this reality of the Christian life is always this, I'm being born again, again. Um, Anytime you're talking to a person that's really growing in their life, the language of transformation is this language at many points in different forms of new birth. And so something happens significantly when we have to face ourselves in the wilderness, when there's no verbal affirmation, when we have to live with the thoughts in our own head, when we have to deal with our own anxieties, when we have to go internal and ask ourselves, why do I constantly feel these things? That he is birthing something, but it creates a suffering process, and I would just say we shouldn't be surprised by it, because all over the Bible, Hebrews chapter 2, it was fitting that the God who's God, essentially, that by whom and through whom all things exist made the founder of our faith, Jesus himself, perfect through suffering. And so what we call wasted years and wilderness years really is suffering, and God brings about or births new things always through suffering, Mm. um, through some level of struggle um, or deep levels of struggle, and so we shouldn't as Christians that are formed by the scriptures ever be surprised. And in fact, I think growth is an expecting and an embracing of suffering in order and believing that these are the things that bring about real life. So Romans 5, even more than this, we can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And he says, and hope will never put us to shame because God is in those moments pouring forth his love in our hearts through the power of the holy spirit and so um suffering isn't a something that comes and goes in our lives i think it's the very mechanism and platform in which god develops us
0: hmm. i love that how god prepares us through suffering like that's powerful we see it in moses life we see it in Jesus' life and I'm just struck by the ways that we so often want to tend to check out of that suffering. You know, maybe one way is to pick up and change your physical location, get away from it, you know, um, someone's beating you up or whatever, you know, like leave to another town. But uh, another another way that seems more um, common, perhaps, is like almost like an internal checking out, like where um, I think of like the, the Netflix binge or the um, the distraction of just going to my phone to kind of avoid what's going on internally within. And I'm struck at Tempe as we're in this season of formed, we're calling it, where we're focused on every month on these spiritual practices together as a church, how sometimes we can see those as like, maybe another thing to go do, you know, to like, I'm gonna go add this activity to my life, where really, it seems like it's creating space, uh, less of one more thing and more of an avenue or a vehicle for being attentive to what God is at work doing in our lives, like being able to bring the fullness of where we're at before him to not check out or distract from the places God might be working on and wanting to form us. But pressing into those places and well, that. So God preparing us in those wilderness years and forming us. Maybe a second question would be um, we see Moses as well so he encounters God at the burning bush. There's a sense of God's presence is here. Like the bush is burning, but it's not consumed. Like God's presence is, is here. It's a Holy ground. And then God calls him to this mission. That's gotta sound intimidating. Like go talk to Pharaoh, you know, like, and I found Moses. I'm like, dude, you're calling me to go talk to the King of the biggest superpower on the face of the planet. And I'm going to come in with my shepherd's clothes and my sheep stink or whatever, you know, and I'm going to be like, Hey, let my people go. Like, like, God, I'm a man of fumbling lips. Like, Moses recognizes he has no capacity, no ability, no whatever to pull this off on his own strength. And when I think about leadership and calling and mission for us as followers of Jesus today, I think many of us, like, God, Jesus calls us on mission to our city here in Tempe, here in the Phoenix area. And in a post-Christian, increasingly post-Christian context, that can feel really intimidating. Like, who am I? Like, how am I going to? display Jesus, and I how am I, how, how are we, is it really possible that God could bring new life through us as people here? And often it seems like we often want to go to, like, our strategies or capacities or, you know, like, um, and I, I guess I'm just struck here in Moses, like, dude, he recognizes I don't have what it takes. Like, it's not, it's not going to be our performance. It's going to be your presence. It's the only hope we got is your presence going with us. So can we speak to a bit about God's calling, like, our reliance and need on God's presence rather than our kind of performance and abilities and strategies, capacity? How does that relate yeah, to Yeah, I that?
1: mean, I think, it, again, when you, I love this question, and I think it's so related to the first. I think one of the things that God will allow us to experience wilderness and wasted years is to come to a point of real embracing our weaknesses. Like the this theme that comes out very strong in Second Corinthians is this, I'll boast all the more in my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may be rest on me, which feels really congruent with then like the Zechariah 4, which is somewhat of a famous um, verse of it's when God says, uh, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, is there's this real strong sense when you come up against things. And I think even in, in the way your question ended, there can be this Um, big question of like, you can overcome you, which is true. But then this like presenting problems that you see them that seem impossible. And I do think this is consistent all the way through in a life with God of some of these barriers or walls between you and who you want to be um, are torn down and or the walls are scaled by depending upon the spirit of God that by this moment of like where you go, I really can't do this, and so where do I turn my eyes? Like the psalmist says, I turn my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. And God will oftentimes in those moments allow you in your desire to make a difference in your own life or in your city or in your family or in your company um, to experience utter powerlessness, impotence, so that he can have a moment where he says, where. So he can build a moment in you where you say well this is impossible and he says that's true but with god all things are possible i love this psalm uh, psalm 18 and this there's a whole section to the faithful you show yourself faithful in verse 25 of psalm 18 but then in this uh, statement it sounds almost like tony robbins but it says the difference is a tony robbins would say you can do anything And this says, with your help, with God's help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. And that's the fundamental difference I think God's developing in Moses. And it's so true all throughout the Bible is this sense of the power does not rest within you. The power rests in God who wants to rest on you, who wants you to be within him. So there's this merging of you and God at such a level that you trust in his power and you, with God, you can scale a wall. So these walls that stand in front of you that you think I could never do it, God himself saying to us, you're right, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, I'll do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all you ask or think. So the tie to suffering, wilderness, wasted years is the cultivation of this ability for us to embrace our weakness, um, which I think is a more of a exaltation of true humanity, of a a, a resistance or a repentance of feeling like we're gods and embracing our creatureliness that was always meant to function in power only in union with God. Hmm. And I think our culture tries to promote and reestablish true humanity by speaking about the power within humanity, but the Bible's constantly saying, there is no power in humanity outside of God.
0: Yeah, it seems like that contrast Paul's always making between the flesh and the spirit, like our tendency, we wanna rely on the flesh, this image of us under our own steam, whatever, versus relying on the spirit of God, like our lives empowered by the presence of God himself. And I wasn't planning on asking this, but it just kind of came up as you are talking. I'm just curious, are there areas when you look at for us in this next season, redemption as a whole, or even just churches in the Phoenix area as a whole, are there any areas that you felt kind of impressed upon or just things that have been on your heart, kind of dreams for the the church in the Phoenix area, or even us as redemption that feel like, God, we're going to need your presence to pull this off. Cause it's like, it's not, yeah, I'm just curious if there are areas as you look out in this next season that, um, that, that feel like, man, God, if you don't go with us, we don't know what we're
1: no, doing. I mean, I, I feel much more comfortable talking to Redemption than I do the whole church, but I think it's they're the same thing. So, you know, I mean, I think you just live in extremely dissonant, which I m- mean, like everybody ha- is their heads are swimming or their cages are being rattled. Like, what are we in? What are we living in? Highly divisive. I think we're we're living in times where cynicism is increasing. And that means hopelessnesses. Mm. Um, and those are scary points. I mean, when you look in world history, those are scary points. And it can feel like you try to make a difference. You decide to post something on social media. We decide to start an initiative in the city. You know, One that Redemption's been very involved in is foster care and adoption. And it seems like the more you get involved, the more complex and harder the problem becomes. Like, it isn't just getting kids in your home. Now it's like, man, our homes are a disaster. And mm. trauma has made this, like, this... This would have been way easier without these kids in our home, mm. with them. And so it it feels like as you meet a challenge, they the challenges multiply. Um, and I would I believe the church is meant to be at the center of our cities and of problems that we are are willing and courageous to go in. But it feels like the ability to fix them it seems harder and harder all the time. And the minute you go after a problem, then you hear about a new one you know the challenges that technology bring about and so to me i just think in the end these are all these are our own wilderness years that feel like right now the church in general if you really look at it feels really powerless and it and maybe even worse than that it feels like we've contributed to so many problems that it can breed cynicism i think in most of us to go like the church is a joke The church isn't whatever. And I think what it is, is like Moses. I think it's the God going, you've lived by might and power for way too long. And I think it creates this incredible moment for us to humble ourselves and pray and ask God for his power. And so for me, um, my desire for redemption is, and I really believe this, I think by God's power and only by God's power, We could see a lot more happen than has happened. But I'll also say this. I mean, the other part is for me is I just think there's going to have to be a lot more ingenuity and innovation in the midst of this. Um, And so I think, again, it's you ask God for wisdom and James says he'll grant it if you ask him. So I think maybe our biggest question right now is where are we going for wisdom and power? And if it's not God, I think – we won't scale walls. Let's say it that way.
2: Mm.
0: That's a good word. Well, one final question, which would just be like, any reflections you have on the link between character and calling? You know, it seems like we live in a culture or society that uh, increasingly we we want the spotlight. I mean, I'm struck by um, a study I saw recently where uh, it was like amongst youth and kids like the number one cultural value today is fame. Like Mm -hmm. you go back 10 years, 20 years ago and it was towards the bottom. They have like these 17 factors or something they look for every year. It was like, at the bottom or near the bottom of the list every year and then last 10 years like social media whatnot it's jumped up to like number one like everyone wants to be famous this kind of thing and it's like where a culture kind of creates the spotlight and often when we think of calling uh, I think we can think of that like this is going to be the thing where I'm going to change the world fix the world save the whatever and it strikes me that while Exodus is a story about deliverance. God's not just out to deliver Israel; He's also out to form Moses. Like God cares tremendously about His character. Moses ends up not going into the Promised Land just because of one <laughs> mistake, which I almost like I like a man. I would have had a lot more mistakes than him going through that scenario, you know. So God's commitment to our character, like not just to use us to get some stuff done, but God's actual care for us and the kind of people we're becoming. Could you speak to? character and how that relates to themes like calling. And- yeah, I think God
1: is always about the micro and the macro at the same time. You're I, And I think we move all the time. Like, we want to talk about systemic things, and we think if we talk about personal things, we can't talk about systemic things. Or if we talk about systemic things, we can't talk about personal things. And the thing that's astounding to me is God is in Exodus liberating Israel, Egypt, and Moses hmm. all at the same time. It's this it's not like I'm going to use the great man to liberate Israel, you know. It's like no, I'm going to use a powerless man who was a murderer who only ended up in in the palace because he was put in a wicker basket based upon the courage of other people. And in the end, I'm gonna use him. And he's a deeply insecure man, like you can't, I can't even talk. Um, and so it's constantly like God's putting himself on display. But to me, the pressing in at the level of that God loves Moses enough. It isn't just that he loves the world, but he loves Moses enough to put Moses in all of those situations. And he loves Moses enough to maybe know the greatest way he was going to form Moses' character is to put him in an elevated position. So it's it's sometimes the people that don't want the spotlight, God will enter into the spotlight to deal with why ever, whatever their insecurities are of not wanting it. And then many people that want the spotlight, he won't give it to them or he'll take it away from them because he's so committed to them. And so I just think in the end, I think character is very related to calling in that our primary calling is to God and his primary purpose for us that the Apostle Paul says is that he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So the project of God is the elevation of Jesus and. Um, and the elevation of Jesus in our life is all about the formation of our character. You know, it's him bringing us in. So I think we have to get the primary calling right, I, you know, before we can even talk about, well, what is the secondary calling, meaning what is he telling me to do in my life and where is he calling me to do it? But if you take a um, an unwillingness to be formed in your character, I think the challenge of your calling is that you're going to bleed a lot of unhealth in a lot of places.
0: Hmm. That's good. Man, well, God loves you and cares for you, Uh, listeners, as you're listening. He he cares enough to want to form you and shape you, your character and and who you are, not just to use you to get stuff done, but actually form and shape you through the process of of your story, of your wilderness years, and of the tasks that may seem insurmountable at times that that he's set before you. Uh, I'm grateful that we have a God who is uh, committed not just to what he wants to do through us, but is committed to us. And Mm. so... Uh, Be encouraged uh, with that today. Tyler, thanks so much again, man. It's awesome having you on. Grateful for you. And we will be back next week.
2: Signing off. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Tempe podcast. We believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Redemption is one church in nine local congregations across the state of Arizona. Our vision at Redemption Tempe is to create disciples of Jesus who seek the reconciliation and restoration of Tempe. We would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 6 p.m. each week. You can learn more about us and how to get plugged into the life of our church by downloading our phone app called Redemption Church Tempe or on our website at tempe.redemptionaz.com. And lastly, we would love to hear from you. Please send any questions or feedback you might have about this podcast or our church by emailing tempe.redemptionaz.com. Thank you for listening. and We'll catch you next week.